This is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update Podcast. This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update video and podcast. Today, we have our weekly look at the numbers, trends, and latest news about COVID-19 with AMA's Director of Science, Medicine, and Public Health, Andre Garcia in Chicago. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer, also in Chicago. Andrea, thanks for joining us for your weekly update. Last week, the Omicron cases were continuing to drop. Is that trend continuing? And what are the numbers this week? Well, thanks for having me back, Todd. And yes, that trend is continuing. Last week, we talked about how some of the states that were hit later in the Omicron wave were still seeing those huge spikes. And this week, we're starting to see some declines in those states. I think if that trend holds, it's likely that we are through the worst of the Omicron wave. I know that, uh, you know, basically you say you've got the national look at this and then we have the local look at this and uh, the timing is differed. Why don't we start just nationally? What do the numbers uh, look like there? Yeah, so nationally, case numbers fell about 31 percent over the past two weeks. However, we can't lose sight of the fact that we're really still seeing around 590,000 new cases a day. And that's more than double what we saw during the peak last winter hospitalizations, which we always talk about as a lagging indicator, they appear to be just starting to decline. We're around 138,000 people hospitalized per day. That's also higher than last winter's peak. Deaths, which we know lag behind hospitalizations, are still increasing. They're up about 30% over the past two weeks. And while in some places, They've passed last winter's peak. That's not true nationally. Uh, And we can't forget that some states like Alaska and Washington, cases there are still rising. And uh, we know that experts believe that the wave will crest in those remaining states by the end of February. What about this uh, stealth Omicron variant that we're starting to hear a little bit about? Uh, It's like the last thing I wanna hear about is a new variant. Uh, and I'm not um, not alone in that, but what what is it and how concerned do we need to be about it? So soon after scientists in South Africa discovered Omicron, they began finding a few different Omicron-like variants. And these have shared mutations, but lack some others, and then also had some unique mutations of their own. Scientists have determined that Omicron's made up of three distinct branches that split off from that common ancestor and They've been named BA1, BA2, and BA3. The one that we've been talking about that accounts for most of the COVID cases globally is BA1, and that's what's really been dominant here in the U.S. The South Omicron variant uh, that is in all of the headlines right now is BA2, um, and that's we've really seen cases rise of BA2 in Denmark, in, in India, and in the U.K., Um, And it could drag out the Omicron surge in much of the world. In the U.S., BA2 is about 8% of our cases right now. While BA2 does not appear to cause more severe disease and our vaccines appear to be effective, BA2 does show signs of spreading more easily, um, which really could translate into that slowing down of the trend we're seeing with, with cases declining. Spread more easily, and I thought we were already there with Omicron, but uh, so that's a scary thought of even, even more transmissible. Um, Andrea, we you know have heard a lot uh, over the course of this last surge about Omicron being 
you know, a milder disease on, on an individual basis, especially for those that are vaccinated and boosted. And, but we're still seeing hospitals that are overwhelmed and deaths increasing. You know, are we are we looking at the impact here being mostly on the unvaccinated? Yeah, there's no question that the majority of those hospitalized now are unvaccinated. The CDC recently reported that unvaccinated people 65 and older are 52 times more likely to be hospitalized from COVID compared to people who are vaccinated and boosted. And for 50 to 64 year olds, that difference is around 46 times. And there's really a major difference in every age group when we start to look at the numbers, including 12 to 17 year olds. Um, but it's not only the unvaccinated that are impacted. We know that Omicron may not be so mild for those that have underlying medical conditions like asthma, diabetes, heart or lung disease. And last Wednesday, we heard the CDC director warn that this surge was still imposing a heavy burden on hospital, hospitals, really saying that it's important to know that milder doesn't necessarily always mean mild. More than half of U.S. adults do have an underlying chronic condition, which can put them at increased risk. And that is scary. Um, we saw that, uh, you know, further evidence last week that that third shot uh, is really helpful in reducing the risk of hospitalization for people with weaker immune systems, like you were referring to. Tell us more about that. Last Thursday, CDC reported that third doses of COVID vaccines really significantly reduce the risk that people with weakened immune system would be hospitalized with COVID. So the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines were roughly 88% effective against hospitalizations in people who are immunocompromised who received that third dose. That's compared to 69% effective in people who are immunocompromised with only two doses. And that data came from a study of people treated at 21 hospitals across the US from August to December. We know that that is when Delta was the dominant variant, but third doses have been shown to bolster people's defenses against Omicron as well, even if we know that overall that, that protection against that variant is a little weaker. Did the study also look at uh, the impact of booster shots for people who are not immunocompromised? Yeah, and it pretty much confirmed what we talked about last week, that this latest study adds to that considerable evidence that booster doses provide improved protection against COVID-19-associated hospitalizations among adults who are not immunocompromised. The CDC really said that our future studies should look at the protection afforded by additional doses against the Omicron variant in those people who are immunocompromised, as well as the durability of that protection. And we know that Moderna and Pfizer are really looking at Omicron-specific vaccines, so um, that more information should be coming on that as well. You know, when you look at those numbers that you cited in terms of just how effective uh, these vaccines and boosters are in preventing the level of serious disease, you would think it's time to get out there and, and uh, make sure I'm up to date on my vaccines. Are we seeing an uptick in uh, vaccination at this point or are we stalled? Yeah, we're not really seeing that much of an increase. And where we've really seen vaccines stall is in, in, in kids, which we know is an important group. And According to a recent analysis by the Kaiser Family Foundation, only 18.8% of children in that 5 to 11 age group are fully vaccinated, and only about 28% have received one dose. 
We also know that there are huge disparities between states. We know that Vermont has really been leading the way with vaccine rates. The same is true as their rates in kids. They're at 52% of children fully vaccinated. But if we look at Mississippi, they're at 6%. And this is a concern because we are seeing those increases in hospitalizations in kids, but we also know that they contribute to spread of the virus. Medicine doesn't stand still, and at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org slash movingmedicine. What are we doing uh, to try to reach those parents? Is there something happening in Vermont different, better uh, in, in getting those numbers relative to other states? I'm not sure what specifically is happening in Vermont, but their rates have consistently been good. That we know vaccine advocates are really trying some new tactics. We're hearing about principals in schools, calling families daily to talk about vaccines. We know the American Academy of Pediatrics has put together talking points for pediatricians and parents. And Kaiser has their own really parent-friendly vaccine information site, which has a lot of good information about the vaccines. Well, we had another big announcement uh, with a, a new full approval this week from the FDA. Uh, tell us what's going on there. So FDA granted full approval on Monday to Moderna's COVID vaccine. It's the second most widely used COVID vaccine in the U.S., it's the second vaccine behind Pfizer to receive that full regulatory approval. Um, we know the vaccine can be administered to adults. It's been shown to be highly effective at preventing infection and severe cases of COVID-19. Um, and it's been in use for more than a year under an EUA. This new approval will allow Moderna to market the vaccine, and that name is SpikeVax. And it gives more latitude to physicians being under a BLA to prescribe uh, use of the shot. And we know those controls on how the vaccine is, is administered work tighter under an, um, an EUA than they are under a BLA. And what about uh, the new FDA application? Yeah, so on Monday, Novavax said they're, they've submitted their application to the FDA seeking uh, emergency use authorization for their protein-based COVID vaccine. That is that protein based is a more conventional approach than our other currently authorized or approved vaccines. And so that could make it more appealing to those who've been hesitant to get an mRNA vaccine or hesitant to get that J&J vaccine. So really that does give people another option. And last week marked uh, the deadline for unvaccinated healthcare workers in about half of the US to get their first dose. Have we seen any fallout from that particular mandate? So unvaccinated healthcare workers in about half of the states were required to get a first dose of the COVID vaccine by last Thursday under the federal mandate, which we know affects about 10 million healthcare workers and 76,000 healthcare facilities that participate in Medicare and Medicaid. The vaccine requirement went into effect in those states that did not challenge that mandate in court. So we're talking about California, Hawaii, New York, Minnesota, and some of the U.S. territories. Uh, what about the remaining states? When, when will the mandate take effect there? 
Yeah, so the, in the remaining states where the lower co uh, court had blocked that mandate, they'll have until February 14th to receive that first dose. For Texas, the deadline falls on February 22nd. Um, we do are, are still continuing to hear that this mandate could exacerbate some staffing shortages, but supporters really do maintain that these mandates are needed to stem the spread of the virus, especially among vulnerable hospitalized patients and nursing home residents. Anything else uh, in closing the AMA uh, wants us to hear this week? Yeah, so last week, the AMA released a joint statement with the American Hospital Association and the American Nurses Association on blood shortages, really urging everyone who can to give blood. We are facing a blood supply crisis, and the American Red Cross has called this the worst blood shortage in over a decade. Wow. Uh, that's a hard message, too, to get out in the middle of a pandemic. There's a lot there, but everybody... Uh, please spread that word and encourage anyone who can to donate blood at this time. Uh, obviously, the pandemic is at the root cause of this, I'm assuming. It has played a role. So we know that some of those organizations that have really worked to bolster blood supply for years, businesses, house of worship, universities that have hosted blood drives, those have slowed down over the pandemic. And of course, we have um, a, a lot of COVID patients, but also physicians have been really trying to catch up on delayed surgeries and treating trauma patients and caring for patients who need transfusion. So that demand for um, blood has really increased at the same time where donations have diminished. Let's say the other thing that um, Dr. Harmon has weighed in on with a viewpoint is urging the FDA uh, to lift its discrimination discriminatory blood donor policy that prevents many gay and bisexual men from giving blood um, at issue really is to um, evaluate potential blood donors on the basis of their individual risk without regard to uh, sexual orientation or gender identity. I think this issue of the blood shortage, given uh, its urgent nature, something will dig into further on a future update of the COVID-19 segment. Uh, Andrea, thanks for being here. I would also like to know before the surge is over, whether it is Omicron or Omicron, that'll be all our, our, our investigative assignment uh, for the week to come. Thanks for being here. Uh, that's it for today. Uh, if you have any other uh, needs for uh, information on COVID, visit ama-assn.org slash COVID-19. Thanks for joining us. Please take care. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.